Morning, everybody. Is it on? We're good? Uh, just before I get started, uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning to all those at home watching. I uh, just want to have some updates. For those that didn't take the elements in the back, we are doing communion today. So if you want to go and get that right away. All those watching at home as well, why don't you get some bread and juice uh, while you can right now? Um, a reminder, August 14th and 5th, or 15th, not both days, uh, we're planning on having a church picnic. Um, just so you know, I made a call to Camp Livingstone, uh, which is about an hour and a half away, it's uh, in Magog, to see if we could actually use their facility. I haven't heard back yet, but I hope that we could actually go somewhere, not like Pine Beach or Dorval, like do something kind of outside of uh, our box here in the West Island, so... Uh, just keep those dates in mind, the 14th or the 15th, and we're going to have a church picnic. Um, also, we'd like to do a Pine Beach kind of get-together uh, after a Sunday service. So, with the long weekend coming up on Canada Day, we just finished one. Probably not the, oh my gosh, not the next Sunday, but either July 11th or the 18th. My wife reminded me it's Nathaniel's birthday on the 11th, so maybe not on the 11th, but we'll see what day uh, we're going to do that. For those of you that were praying for uh, Pastor Johnson, he's doing much better, praise God, uh, and should be discharged either today or tomorrow, uh, so just continue to pray for him, and thanks for your prayers. Fred told me that there's about 10 spots left for the XCC, so just for those of you guys that are interested Come see Fred, myself, or Steve. We'd really like to have a team going. We're about four right now. We'd like to be, let's say, 14 if there's 10 spots. So just continue. If, if you need prayer for that or uh, if the funds are low, please just come see me. Money shouldn't be an issue uh, if you want to go, okay? We're really encouraging people to come out. It's going to be amazing. Um, also, I don't know if you guys noticed in the uh, update... We've created an email address, prayer at reachmontreal.ca. So if you need prayer during the week, please use that email to send your prayers. Linda will get them, and then we can send them out on the prayer chain that we have going. Also, July 8th will be our next prayer meeting, and we'll be meeting live here somewhere. I think you guys met in the park the last time, and that was pretty cool. So bring your lawn chairs uh, for July 8th. Also... Um, what else do I have here? Oh, yes. We need volunteers still for downstairs. We'd like to offer children's church for the younger children. Um, and right now, we only have enough teachers for what's going on downstairs. So like grade one to six or grade two to six, whatever that bracket is. But for the kids that are in the nursery, uh, we see the saplers here today. They have a lot of young kids that could probably use, uh, a, you know, somewhere where they could bring their kids. So... Please continue to pray for the volunteers. Um, I still have to get used to, uh, Matt said, Pastor John. I've been called lots of things in my life. <laughs> but getting used to somebody saying uh, Pastor John, but that's only through God's grace that somebody is calling me pastor. So thank God for that. Why don't we all stand? Um, we're going to read God's word. We're going to be doing uh, Mark 4, continuing in Mark uh, it's a long one, chapter uh, 4, 1 to 34. So again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in and out on the, sorry, sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. 
He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the world. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, and the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places. Hear the word at once, receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it will be measured to, use you, to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what, a ki- what, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, and seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in it in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Father God, I just thank you uh, for this opportunity, uh, just to expand on your word. I just pray that you open um, those here and also watching at home's heart for the message. Um, And I just uh, thank you once again for your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a lot of verses. I have to have some water. 
So it's, it's pretty ironic that my week to preach fell when we would be speaking about the parables of the sowers. I think Dustin must have thought we'll get the landscaper to describe all the soils that were talked about. And so for myself, when I explain planting to people, I explain it very simplistically. You can take a $2 plant and put it in a $50 rich soil and the plant will grow. But you can't take a $50 plant and plant it in a $2 sandy hole. Soil needs to be cultivated, it needs to be worked, it needs to be fertilized, you have to add compost, it needs to be rich for things to grow. And the same can be said with our hearts. We need to mature, we need to bear fruits. And we can only do that when we're filled with God's word, prayer, fellowship, and worship. On the other hand, if we fill our hearts with the trappings of this world and not of the Lord, we will see weeds pop up in our lives and eventually we'll choke out that fruit. So how did Jesus reveal the kingdom of God? Through teachers of the law? Through the temple priests? Through Facebook? No. It was with parables. Jesus took the word of God and made it understandable even to small children. Jesus said in verse 22, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Jesus meant that the word of God was not meant to be hidden. It was meant to shine on our hearts and lives. And that's what Jesus did. He brought the word of God through simple parables that held the secrets of God's kingdom within them. And Jesus also meant that the word of God exposes the sin hiding in dark places of a person's heart. But it does not end there. The word of God transforms the heart and drives out the darkness. In this passage, Jesus tells four parables. In the first two, he teaches us what kind of attitude we should have toward the word of God. And in the last two parables, he teaches us the kingdom of God and all what it is about. These teachings are great secrets that we all must learn. First, Jesus teaches the people many things. In verse one it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd was gathered around him so large that he got into a boat and sat in and out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Jesus did not have the luxury of the internet, social media to get out. This was all word of mouth. People were coming from all over to see Jesus, long distances. And everywhere he went, people would come to him because they saw him as a compassionate shepherd, a shepherd who concerns himself with them. Most of these people were from the lowest castes of society. Most suffered many hardships in life. For the most part, they were abandoned by their leaders, but they came to Jesus because he knew he loved them and that he cared for them. They came to Jesus because they felt a deep love for God through him. And they knew he would risk his life for a leper or a man with a shriveled hand. So they did not hesitate to come to him. They came to him because they loved him and because he knew he loved them. What did Jesus do for those who came to him? In verse two we see he taught many things by parables. Jesus taught them many things. We all had favorite teachers growing up. My favorite teacher was my grade six teacher, Mr. Haley. He made learning fun, he challenged us. 
I knew he loved each and every one of us and he gave us his all every day. Still to this day, I give him all the credit for me being able to know my multiplication tables from one to 12. And I have instilled that into my children. They must know their multiplication tables from one to 12, otherwise they cannot leave the house. <laughs> uh, and no new math, only old math. Uh, Many of the kids that were in that class would say the same thing today, that he was their favorite teacher. He wanted us to be prepared for high school and made sure we understood all the concepts necessary to succeed. Each parable Jesus taught them came to the same conclusion, the kingdom of God. The heart of Jesus' teaching always reveals the secrets of God's kingdom. Jesus did not teach them rules and regulations. He taught them what they needed to know. He taught them about the kingdom of God. I'm going to say kingdom of God a lot. Why? Because the kingdom of God is our home. Jesus knew that more than anything else, these people needed hope in God's kingdom. Jesus knew that these people suffered and they needed comfort. But Jesus also knew that everything here and now will perish. So he gave them something like that that does not perish. He gave them hope in God's kingdom. Like Mr. Haley, Jesus wanted us to succeed, except this success was more important than anything we could ever learn in school. So Jesus taught in parables, and so I came upon these three reasons why Jesus taught in parables. Parables were easy to understand. A lot of spiritual discussions revolve around abstract concepts and ideas. Because of this, some people avoid them as impractical and unhelpful. Jesus wanted to bypass the teachers of the law and take his message straight to the people, which means he had to communicate in a way that would resonate with them. By using parables, Jesus was able to share religious truths that conveniently connect with his listeners. When these truths corresponded with things from their daily lives, like bread, baking, farming, and traveling, they understood. People became more engaged when they listen to a story. They're not merely involving the parts of their brains used for processing language. They engage the same areas of their mind that they would if they were experiencing the stories themselves. As people heard the parable of the prodigal son, they'd feel shock at a child asking for his inheritance early or empathy as the young son began to suffer. Engaging people's imaginations allowed Jesus' teaching to really hit home. Parables are easy to remember. It's not that Jesus' words would be easy to grasp. They needed to be memorable. A story gives a listener a hook to hold on to and an easy method to communicate the same lessons to others. Our brains want to process information based on patterns. We interpret new information and choices through a lens of prior experiences and knowledge. Parables allowed salt of the earth folks to connect abstract spiritual ideas within patterns that were meaningful to them. When new information is presented in a familiar narrative form, our brains are better able to retain that information. Jesus' parables had a familiar story-like cadence that people identified with. Beginning, challenge of a problem, and then a resolution. This allowed Christ's listeners to remember and communicate these same truths to others easily. And number three, parables reveal the hearts of the listeners. Sometimes people only value concepts that are complex and difficult to understand. It makes them feel smart and important. People like this dismiss ideas that are too accessible. 
It's like people who don't like music when it's on the radio because it's radio friendly and it's not cool to like that radio song anymore. It's like we're elitists. But that's because instead of seeking truth, these leaders wanted to be the sole owners and administrators of esoteric concepts. I want to give you the meaning of esoteric meaning. So it's intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge of interest. Because Jesus' parables were accessible to everyone, the Pharisees likely dismissed them as silly and irrelevant. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy that people would be hearing but never understanding, seeing but never perceiving. Jesus shared the truths of the kingdom in ways that even a child could grasp, but because of the hardness of heart, many in Israel would not accept them. Jesus addresses this fact when the disciples ask him why he speaks in parables. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear or understand, in Matthew 13. Third, the right attitude towards the word of God. Verses 3 to 25. The first parable was the parable of the sower. In verse 3 it says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. The seed represents the word of God. Why did Jesus say that the word of God is like a seed? Because the word of God and a seed have the same character. Just like a seed is alive and can grow to become a tree, so is the word of God. The word of God has life. It can be planted in the heart and grow. And when it grows in someone's heart, so many wonderful things can happen. I remember when I began reading the Bible, so many truths were revealed to me. My heart was open to God's word. The teachings opened my eyes and I began to understand the kingdom of God. God's word is the most important thing in our life. Without it, we cannot have a spiritual life. Without it, we cannot grow spiritually. Most people really have no idea how important the word of God is. But when they ignore it, they, say, they starve spiritually. Without the word of God, they cannot do anything but sin. That is why Jesus taught his disciples to appreciate the word of God, to view it as the word of life. In verses four to eight we read, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. The word of God is living. It has power to grow in the heart, but not every heart appreciates the word of God. Jesus teaches us that the heart can be like four different kinds of soil. And each of these soils reacts differently to the word of God. Before we talk about these soils, we need to understand why Jesus said the heart is like soil. Because seeds can be planted and it can grow in it and eventually bear fruit. The heart is a field that can be cultivated. And unfortunately, many people do not know this. They do not care what is growing in their hearts. But whether they care or not, it does not stop them from growing in their heart soil. And when people fill their hearts with worldly things, sorry, they begin to enjoy them and they think they can enjoy them and get rid of them later. 
We have a driveway that is desperate in need of redoing. There are cracks in the asphalt. And you know what grows in the cracks? Well, weeds grow in the cracks. And every crack bears a new weed constantly. I need to continuously pull them out. But the thing is, the more diligent I am in pulling out those weeds, the less frequent they come back. Old weed seeds remain dormant for a long time, and it takes, them, it takes a lot of kneeling and weeding and diligency to remove them. And whatever goes into our heart will also grow in that heart, and then someday we'll also reap a harvest. And if we plant dirty thoughts, we will reap dirty thoughts. If we plant selfish thoughts, then we will also reap a heart not pleasing to God. When we encourage someone to read the Bible rather than watch TV, it is because whatever we will fill our hearts with, that's what will grow. Unfortunately, not many people listen, and then they wonder why their minds are filled up with things of this world and why the weeds are growing. This world will plant their own seed of sin. If you do not take care of the hard soil today, it's because what we sow in our heart is what we will reap. That is what Jesus is trying to teach us. If that happens, what can we do? What can we do? We can repent and lean on the grace of Jesus. It's the only way to remove the weeds and plant the word of God instead. This is why Jesus was teaching his disciples about the four kinds of heart soils. He wanted to teach them what kind of soil can bear good fruit. He wanted to teach them how to prepare their hearts so that the word of God can be planted. And Jesus teaches us that all that matters is the attitude towards the word of God, whether one appreciates the word of God and treats it with care or if we disregard it. When we moved into our home, I have a slide of our home. So that's what our home looked like uh, when we first moved in. And I worked hard to remove the clay soil we inherited. There was some foundation damage on the side and I was diligently wheelbarrowing all this clay off of our property. And it has been a yearly process of adding good soil and compost and planting soil. And every year I worked at making the garden something for my neighbors to enjoy or maybe something for me to brag about. And now six years later, six years later, I can see, ooh, ah, come on guys, ooh, ah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Now six years later, I can see the fruit of what the work has produced. And I am reminded of the beauty God has created both visually looking at the garden and then what has transpired in my heart the last 18 years. It is hard work and my heart needed lots of mending and continues to need that constant care. But the great thing is as I grow closer to our Lord and Savior, the more I am amazed at his grace abounding in my life. And I am sure the same thing can be said for your lives as well. Now when hard times come and they will come, our hearts are rooted in good soil, standing on God's word and promises. Like a hundred-year-old oak tree, we see that when the winds come and storm rains down on the roots, are anchored and able to withstand. Just as when we face trials and tribulations, we can overcome them, not on our own strength, but on the Lord's. According to Jesus, there are four kinds of soil in the heart. The path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. The first hard soil is like a path that cannot receive the word of God because it's packed down with the doubts of this world. When a tree is growing, a tree grows in urban settings like in a mall, um, oftentimes what happens is people walk 
in areas on those islands. They take the path of least resistance and they compact the soil around the tree. And that's why the crowns of the trees die. And this is a reason in our same lives with that compactness. We're not open. The roots are not able to take in the water. And there are some people who hear the teachings of Jesus and the scripture within the Bible that we hold so dear and they could not care less about it. The book that transforms us because we believe it to be divinely inspired, the word of God, has zero effect upon others. Their hearts are so hard and barren that there is simply no chance for teachings of Jesus to take root. Then these are those whose hearts are more like rocky, sorry, then there are those whose hearts are more like rocky soil. If you are like me, then you might think that this, this means like dirt mixed in with rocks. However, Warren Worsby, who wrote the book, Be Diligent, notes that this would have actually been more akin to soil that was very shallow and actually sitting upon a solid rock. And this type of soil would have been common in this area of the world. This soil would be like the heart of a person who initially has a positive response, often emotional, to Jesus' teachings, but the response is short-lived because there is not any true soil in which that seed can take root. This person who very quickly falls away once the emotional high of a response to the gospel wears off. And this would explain someone whose heart simply isn't in the right condition. Then there is the thorny heart. The heart that is good soil, enough to grow all kinds of things in it. But the problem is all kinds of things grow in such a heart. And in the end, the word of God is choked out. There are many keys to having a healthy lawn. First in the spring, you need to chop dress it with soil and seed it. And then you need to pray for rain if you do not have an irrigation system. Otherwise, you need to set up that sprinkler and water it every day. And then once it germinates and has taken root, you must cut the grass at a proper height of three and a half inches. And this keeps the root system strong during times of drought. Then you need to fertilize it at least three times during the season, spring, summer, and fall. And then you need to aerate it in the fall. And you can do all these things, but you know what you still might have is weeds. Because your next door neighbor has a field of dandelions, and when they go to seed, a wind comes, and along you know, there are the weeds again on your lawn. And therefore, this process needs to be repeated every year to have a healthy lawn you desire. But like most things, you get a little less diligent. Next spring, maybe you'll not do the top dressing and just the seeding. Maybe you'll cut the grass to two and a half inches because you want to cut the grass every two weeks and not every week. And you only fertilize once a year and the aerating machine is broken. And you notice more weeds than the previous year. And the less diligent you are every year, the more weeds take over and the healthy turf is choked out. And the same can be said for our lives. The more time we spend in the word, fellowshipping, praying, immersing ourselves in God's word, the more fruit we will bear. But in my case, and many of yours, the worries of this life and the trappings of worldly possession takes away from the time you and I spend caring for our hearts. Jesus tells us in verse 19 that the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it un fruitful. Don't let your apathy and laziness allow the world to choke out what God has intended for you, to stay diligent and present in God's word, walking closely with him every day. These three hearts, the hard heart, the rocky heart, and the thorny heart, cannot cultivate any good thing in them, especially when they have no word of God growing there. Eventually, people such hearts cannot possibly grow spiritually. 
But Jesus did mention the fourth and the best kind of heart, the heart with good soil. The good heart soil not only bears good fruit, he tells us in verse 20 that it also reaps a hundred times that was sown. Jesus said the only good heart soil is able to keep the seed of God's word in it and nurture it to maturity. Why? Because of how it appreciates the word of God. It knows the value of the word of God. It has a good attitude for the word of God. Suppose I wanted to plant a vegetable garden. There's a lot of landscaping references today, sorry. Suppose I wanted to plant a vegetable garden, and when the time came for me to prepare, my buddy Dustin comes by and says, hey, John, do you want to go golfing? Yeah, I'm going to go golfing. I'm not going to do the, the, the vegetable garden. And then the second time I go out to prepare the soil, my buddy Steve comes by and says, hey, the Habs are playing the Stanley Cup's on. Why don't you come watch it? And I don't want to watch the Habs. But I'll go because I love my brother Steve. And then every time I go out to prepare the soil, something comes up, and I do not prepare the soil. Was I really serious about planting that garden? Not really. But if I do not let any distractions turn myself away from preparing that soil, then I would be fully invested in doing that job. This is a good example of someone who appreciates the value of the word of God. He puts the Lord first and devotes the time needed to grow and mature. It should not be an afterthought. It should not be third or fourth on our list of things to do. It should be prioritized. A heart that is serious about planting the seed of God's word sets out to prepare your heart soil. How would that heart prepare? In verses 21 to 25, Jesus teaches us one way to prepare a good heart soil. In verses 21 and 22, it says, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, you put it on a stand, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Jesus first tells us the function of the word of God. It's like a lamp. The word of God is meant to shine rather than be hidden. To prepare our heart for the word of God, to grow in it, we must let the light of God's word shine on our heart. And when it does, it usually exposes the hidden and dark things. We have full sun in our backyard, and every year I plant a vegetable garden. Man, there's a lot of garden talk. We always get a good harvest of goodies due to the excellent light. Plants need lights to grow. They search out for the sun. It's their food, and when we struggle with sin, we want to keep it in the dark. So no one can see it. It becomes our secret hidden from this world. We can only hide sin for so long before it comes to light. It could take years of being shackled by it, but eventually it will overcome you and be seen. I implore you to repent of that hidden sin today. Bring it to the light so you can be healed. It is not easy to let light of God's word shine in our hearts and expose our dark secrets. One has to be serious about solving their sin problem. One has to appreciate the power of the word of God. One has to accept the light of God's word and how it has the power to overcome the darkness within. In verses 23 to 25 it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured you to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus said, consider carefully what you hear. When one appreciates the word of God and is serious about cleaning house, he hears the word of God and holds on to it. He thinks about it. He considers it carefully. He treats it with respect. In Bible study, he gives his heart to it. In time of worship, 
he is attentive. When the word of God conflicts with his ideas or the way he does things, he's quick to weed it out with his own thoughts. Then he makes room for the word of God to grow in its place. When the word of God conflicts with your feelings, you dig up those useless feelings and throw them out of our hearts. Then you can let the word of God grow there instead. Jesus tells us the secrets about God's word and how we should treat it. If we are serious, we too can harvest a crop of faith and honor our God with our lives. Fourth, two secrets about the kingdom of God, verses 26 to 34. Look at verses, look at, look at them. Well, you can't look at them, but I'm going to read them. Jesus then teaches us two parables to explain what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a growing seed. In verses 26 to 28, it says, He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters a seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. According to Jesus, one secret about the kingdom of God is that we will all absolutely grow. The farmer does not need anything else. He does not worry about whether it will grow or not. He needs to do some minor gardening to take out some of those unwanted weeds here and there. The secret is that the farmer has faith the seed will grow. And so we too must have that faith that the word of God, we plant it and have faith that it will grow in us. The second secret about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In verses 30 to 32 it says, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when we plant it, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. According to Jesus, the kingdom of God does not start out as a mountain of faith in one's heart. The secret is that the seed of God's word has a very humble and small beginning. As small as a mustard seed. But here's the thing. It is small, but it has the power to grow into a huge tree. And the secret of the kingdom of God is that it begins to grow from even one word of God that we accept in our hearts. So what type of heart would each of us recognize ourselves as having at this moment? This is an important question to consider because it will determine what we will do at this very, excuse me, at this very moment. Will we humbly consider our need for better cultivating of our hearts? Maybe we recognize that our hard work in humility is paying off. Wherever we might be, I hope that each of us will move and grow closer to where Jesus would have us be. Again, these things matter and we need to know that they matter because of what Jesus says in Mark 4, verses 24 and 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure of what you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. For whoever has more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. The more we are willing to accept from Jesus, the more we will desire from him, and the more he will give us of himself. In turn, may we take that goodness and share it with others. However, if we fail to accept the teachings of Jesus, then we should not be surprised when we find ourselves completely devoid of producing fruit. 
May God help us to be like that soil that increases 30, 60, and 100 times to his, 100 times to his glory. The benefit of our souls and the benefit of the souls of those around us. So where does your kingdom lie? Is it in your house, your job, what your status is in society? I hope today that was a reminder of what we need to put our trust in. God's kingdom and not our own. And I also hope that everyone will have a healthy lawn in 2022. Let's pray. Father God, um, I just want to thank you for this time we had uh, just to talk about our hearts and where each of us are at with you. I pray for each and every person here today that they look into that, that they... um, that they study your word and that they repent of any sin that is in the dark. Open our hearts now to uh, just communion as we partake in the elements and we remember the sacrifice that your son made on the cross. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.